Tov. Today's daf is Nun Chet. We pick up with the bottom of Nun Zayin Amadbet, the two dots. So we just have had some really fascinating discussions, like the Gemara uses as an opportunity, really, to do some some degree of Metzia stuff about Shomer Shemasar with Shomer, and uh, you know, for Shomer Sachar to never say that it was Nignov and get ke- and and uh, and uh, you know, wind up like sort of being Kefel because of List and Mizuyan and so on. So anyway, um, we now move back to more straight Babakama issues, which are um, which are the uh, this uh, animal that uh, goes into the field and causes nezek, and we'll pick up with the where the quote from the Mishnah about six lines from the bottom of Nunzayin Mitzvat. Nafluagina, the sheep fell into the garden with nehenis, and it uh, got benefit. Meshalemes Masha nehenis. So this is the classic idea that even if it's not going to pay for nezek, even though it is steacher, and it is if you could say I don't know regel or something or chain hanal hazeko, um, nevertheless it's uh, it was anus, it fell into the garden, and therefore you're not going to pay for nezek. But there's this idea of paying for hanaa that I got benefit from you, right? And that's like it's like uh, you know the way I describe it's like. It's like, you know, it's like your, your, uh, your ball, your football got through, you know, fell into my yard. I have to give it back to you. I didn't steal it. It wasn't an Aveda, but it's your thing that I got right now, right? So, you know, money got transferred from your bank account into mine. I have to give it back to you. So here, you know, my, I got some concrete benefit uh, from your property, you know, that you lost. It's like that benefit is being held by me, and I have to restore it to you. So that's the idea of Hana, but it is only the Hana. It's not the damage. It is what I'm holding of yours, as it were. So that's the idea of Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. Amarav b'nechpita. That's when it uh, impacted on the uh, fruit. You know, the fruit cushioned its fall. So the Hana was, was that it cushioned its fall. Um, and how do you assess that again? I'm not sure. That's a really good question, right? Because like, like then the Hana could be more than the damage, yeah. right? I mean, the fruit was worth 10 bucks, but it stopped my animal from dying, yeah. you know? So, right, I don't exactly know how you would, how you would assess yeah, how that? That's not like the animal ate, and the question is, how much is a meal worth, right? So it's I, I don't know. Let, let's read a little bit. But if it ate, okay, so this is a bizarre idea. It accidentally fell into your yard, um, so I'm an anus, and then it decided to eat. I don't have to pay you for the meal. Like I don't have to pay you for the nezek. Fine, I'm an anus. Why do I not have to pay you for the meal? So like for the hana. So the gemara says tries to figure this out. Let's say Rav is going to his reason. If you remember this case, I brought, Ruvain brought fruit into Shimon's yard, Shimon's cow ate it. So if Shimon's cow slipped on the fruit, Shimon could say to Ruvain, you had no right being in my rishos, you basically created a boar in my rishos, and you have to pay me. But if Shimon's cow ate the fruit and got a stomach ache, Ruvain doesn't have, Ruvain doesn't have to pay. Why not? He brought the fruit in, he shouldn't have brought the fruit in. So because Rav says, the animal shouldn't have eaten so much to have given itself a stomach ache. In the end of the day, it, it, it damaged itself. It didn't slip on the fruit. It damaged itself by stuffing too much fruit into itself. Okay? So we somehow think that if that eating, the owner is, you know, your putter because you didn't bring damage to the animal, like it's a bizarre it's a bizarre parallel that when my animal eats somebody else's fruit I shouldn't have to reimburse him for the fruit like means it shouldn't have done it so if it shouldn't have done it that's all the more reason why I should be paying because it shouldn't be I, like it's very strange well, so, it should have known better than to eat too much it should have known better not to eat your fruit at all 
That's right. Yeah. If, if right. school you learn, you don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you. Right. Therefore, <laughs> you should pay for it if you do, though. Therefore, you should pay for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let, let's read. The Gemara's going to reject it right away. Yeah, Rashi, Rashi reads the question to beat me out. The, 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 the oh, as a lema bit near? Oh, right, right. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I uh, uh, that's interesting because that was the stama of the Gemara. Um, uh, was it Rashi? I, I think I missed that. It's the one word Rashi. Amarav Brachinan Avalach. Oh, that's a very good point. Thank you. I missed that. Okay, so so Hillel correctly points out that the Gemara, the, all Rav said was one word. Thank you. That's an excellent point. Let's read that again. Amarav Benachbata. The mission is at a hit. So the Gemara says, What? Thank you. It changes the tone. You mean to tell me? But then the lima doesn't fit so well. <laughs> all right, anyway. Okay, but anyway, but clearly this is a little absurd. That he said, Eight, it doesn't pay? Lema Rav Lutamei. So would this be Rav according to his reasoning? Dama Rav, Hilo Shotokal, the animal shouldn't have eaten so much to have caused itself a stomachache. What type of comparison is that? Aimer Dama Rav, when does Rav say, Hasam, Hilo Shotokal, Hechad Itzakahi, when the animal got damaged itself by eating too much fruit? Fruit. Demati Amalei Mari the Peri, the owner of the fruit could say, Lo, Lo, Lobashalam, now I'm not going to pay you. Hilo Shotokal, that you shouldn't have eaten, you brought it upon yourself. But when my animal eats, la zuke he lachrini, then my animal causes damage to other people. The ptira that it should be lipshalume, uh, that I should be exempt from paying. Miyamar, what logic is that? My animal ate fruit. Why should I be exempt? And even if you say I should be exempt from nezek because it was what do you call it? Because it was uh, because it was an anus. Why should I be exempt from returning returning the hanaah? Right. So this doesn't make any sense. Ella says the Gemara lomi baya kamar. Okay, lomi baya achla. So now it's right. Now what Hill said is particularly appropriate. If Rav only said the one word, it's easier to change the context of that word. Nechbeta doesn't mean dafka nechbeta. Nechbeta means even nechbeta. Okay? The Mishnah is talking about nechbeta because it's a bigger chiddish to talk about nechbeta. Lomi baya of course, if the animal fell in baonis and then it ate, the Mishalem is You would pay what you benefited. That's the classic mashanenis. It's not as a mazik, but it ate a meal, you pay for the meal. Okay, so that goes without so saying. Chain. Chain is a headache. Yeah, because it was an honest. The cases it sounds to the field but honest. Okay. Right. Achwa after for after onus. Okay, right. But the context is onus. So then we have already learned if it was Achla Birshut Harabim, or in this case it's an Achla Birshut Nizak, but it could sell in Baonis, that you pay for a meal. That's an obvious net nannies. About Nechpita, but I might think that the Mishnah isn't talking about Nechpita. Let's say what you're all what, what the owner is doing is he's doing a mitzvah. He's like chasing a lion away from somebody else's field. So somebody's animal was about to get damaged. I think we discussed this the other day. I don't remember the context, but about oh yeah, about the case about like uh, not being made for somebody's thing, like passively not saving somebody's property that's being endangered. Okay, this animal was about to be about to be injured, and you jumped in unwittingly. Your property did it for you, and your fruit. Save this animal from injury. So that was shkayach. You did a big mitzvah. You saved somebody's property from injury. So you should maybe you shouldn't be rewarded for doing a mitzvah. You know, didn't your mom ever tell you that a good deed is its own reward? Right. So therefore, so I would say in that case, you chased away 
Elian from your friend's property. You prevented damage. You intervened and prevented this damage from occurring to your friend's property. And they shouldn't have to reimburse you for having their property having been saved because let's say, I don't know, let's say you saw that again, my, my iPhone case. My iPhone's about to get run over by a car. You, you see it, you stop, you wave the car, you have it stop. I say, oh, thank you so much. What a big mitzvah. Give me an iPhone. They'll say, now pay me for the iPhone. You know, I, I was mahad of you. You no, now have an iPhone. Otherwise, you would have had a cross iPhone. Okay, so we'll get to that. But the Gemara starts with an idea that I might think that if you saved somebody's property, right, then that was doing a mitzvah, you know, and it was great that you did it, but why should they, but, but, but you know, you've just made me, pr- another way of thinking about this, which is not exactly what the Gemara is saying, but it goes back to your point, Michael, how do you figure out the Hana'ah, is that I don't have any more value than I started with. I just haven't lost value. You stop me from a loss. So if my animal has a meal, I have more value and I have to pay you for that meal. If I just still have the animal because it didn't get destroyed, that was always my property to begin with. So there's really no Hana'ah from you. The Hana'ah I got from you was preventative, not adding something to my property. Okay? So that seems to be... So there's two ways of understanding what the Havanina is, because now the Gemara is going to make distinctions. Why Mavriya Hari should not get reimbursed? Okay? Is it that if you're doing a mitzvah, you don't get reimbursed for mitzvahs? Like, that's a basic idea. Like, in general, there's all these questions about can a doctor get... Uh, a doctor really isn't allowed to charge. A rabbi isn't really allowed to charge because you're doing a mitzvah. You're not allowed to charge for doing a mitzvah. The only reason a rabbi and a doctor can charge is because of what's called, like, opportunity cost. That you're paying me to not have gone to another profession and to have spent my time learning medicine and to not be doing other things. So you're not paying me for my service as a doctor. You're paying me for what I could have been doing otherwise. Of course, that's really not how it works out. Because then if I was... Because then I would be charging you the same for a checkup and for surgery because it's the same opportunity... Because it's the same amount of time that I'm spending. Anyway, but that's the principle. You're not allowed to collect for doing a mitzvah. That's one way of it, of founding this. The other way is the point that I just said, which is, is that there's really no hana'ah that I got. It's not that I've increased value. I've not received... Right? You've just prevented loss. So let's take a look where the Gemara goes. Okay, but that makes it much sense. Ra says nechbeta. Not only nechbeta, even nechbeta. There's a chiddish here about nechbeta that you pay mashenenis. Okay? Aval nechbeta, I might think, Eman, mavriachari, minichtechaveirohu. You're just chasing away a lion from your friend's field. Umashenenis, nami lo mashalim. You shouldn't even pay mashenenis. Kamash malon, that you do pay. So the Gemara says, one minute. Feima, why don't I say... Um, honey, hachanami, ma'vema hachanami. Let's say that. Let's say you shouldn't get to any. You shouldn't have to give back, right? It was just mavriachari. Why do you pay mashanenis? So he says, no. Here's the difference. Mavriachari minichtei chaveiro midatohu. That's when somebody does it. You know, a person consciously acts. Michael runs in the street and stops the car from running over my iPhone. Okay. Hi. This case, love midatohu. Mike is not consciously acting. His property is doing it for him, and therefore he is entitled to some reimbursement. What's the difference? Even you could say, when my property stops your thing from getting damaged, I'm not doing a mitzvah, right? The whole concept, if the reason I can't get, get any money out of it is because I was doing a mitzvah, okay, so it's nice that my property, whatever, but if I'm, not, if I'm not acting and making a conscious choice or whatever, I'm not doing a mitzvah, right? So, uh, you know, passively my property helped you. So the whole idea of that mitzvah, which prevents me from the right to be paid or get some compensation, is not a factor, okay? You know, that's, I think, like the easiest way to say it. Another way to say it is is that if I am doing it 
like I am making like a conscious choice so my sort of my conscious choice to do it comes with an implicit acknowledgement that I am doing this like uh, selfless act and I am doing it you know without, without any expect for payment right if it's not a conscious choice to do it then there hasn't been that implicit understanding that I'm not hoping to be reimbursed for this alright but I think that probably more likely it's the question of whether you frame it as a mitzvah act or not alright so one difference is it was just as property didn't get on its own so it wasn't a mitzvah act so then I, he, ironically he's entitled to be reimbursed okay even though it came with less effort inami or another way of explaining it is this is what you know Michael said which is most obvious that is when it comes at no loss meaning I can't get paid for my personal service for running in and stopping the car okay for yelling at the lion oh, pay me that's a hundred dollars for that little service you know no you can't get paid for your service but can you get paid for your expenses okay so um, um, hi here there is a loss and if there is a loss I'm at least entitled to get reimbursed now you're not getting reimbursed though ironically for your expenses right if you were reimbursed for your expenses you would get paid for the full the full damage right you're getting some out but because there was loss and it came at a loss to me the person who did this wonderful mitzvah at least I can you know uh, recoup my expenses uh, it probably is the lesser of Hana'a and the expenses I imagine it's the intersection right I'm not entitled to get more than my expenses I can't get paid for personal service that's the idea of Mavriya Chavri and I can't get you know and I can't get uh, more than reimbursed like more than the Hana'a that I gave the person but probably the lesser of the two right I am entitled to be reimbursed to the degree that that person benefited to the degree that that is you know equal to my expenses I can at least get reimbursed for my expenses which then will most likely be the amount of practically in this case right and that gets back to your point like if the whole sheep didn't get splattered and it destroyed ten dollars of fruit so the Hana is at least ten dollars right so that's why the phrase nannies is a funny phrase but right I would agree that in most cases if you're really saving the sheep then the Masha Nannis becomes the, the, the domain Nezek so, so if you go and you, you so to speak save that iPhone right? yep. and there's a puddle there and your suit gets all filled with mud right so he's obligated to pay the cleaning bill um, I guess I mean you know yeah, right, interesting right? questions like let's assume we don't get into questions of could you have avoided the puddle or whatever right, right. right. that was like a necessary nezek that was going right. to come right right so he yeah yeah exactly exactly because then I got benefit from you that came at some loss to you and even though you were doing a mitzvah on the whole thing right you don't get paid for your mitzvah but at least you get reimbursed for your for your for your yeah. losses right so yeah and there's there's cases like that about the case uh, I mean although it's not so because there's a classic case where we're walking down the street and I've got a barrel of wine and you've got a barrel of honey and honey is worth a lot more than wine right, and, bo- right. and your barrel breaks and I spill out my wine to collect your honey right, and right. I can't ask you to reimburse me for my, for my wine. So, it's, I mean, that's why you have this huge toasters because toasters strive to sort of deal with all of the different cases. What do you do okay? I know. So you, we could sit and read this whole toasters together but we're not going to. <laughs> okay, so anyway. But, <laughs> okay, but those are some of the issues, all right? So it's a really interesting case about, number one, not being able 
to be paid for personal service. The question about fundamentally, do you consider there to be hana'ah here because there's no benefit that is, no additional value that is gained, but it is a tremendous prevention of loss. Is that considered to be hana'ah in the first place, right? And then these other factors about the costs of the person, the hefset of the person, and the conscious decision of the person and the action of the person to what degree making it more of a matzah mitzvah or, you know, and, or more or less opportunity to be reimbursed. Yes. If I remember correctly, there are also these cases like, you know, like you're supposed to, you, you're supposed to support your wife. You go on the business trip and I Right. Those are exactly all the cases yeah, Tosos discusses. Okay, so these are a lot of suyas and shas and yes, and uh, nice big Tosos. Right. Okay, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you covered it, but if the person who owns the property, from his point of view, an animal just fell in and damaged his property. Right. He's not thinking about necessarily doing a mitzvah. That's right. exactly why the commercial says you should be entitled to be reimbursed. Okay. Because when it happens all by itself without your conscious involvement, it's not even framed as a mitzvah that you were doing. It's just some damage that occurred that I want to be reimbursed for. Right. That's, so that's exactly the first answer of midato. Okay. That it, when it was not a conscious choice or whatever, then you, it's not framed as mavriya hari and doing a mitzvah. It's framed as I suffered a loss because of your animal. I should get something back. Right. The less of the mitzvah is, the more you're entitled to be reimbursed. Well, said, like, I right. think, you know, this is, this is a place where animals could fall or something like that, so I'll make sure I cushion it or something just in case <laughs> and something happens, then I wouldn't be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so so it's a really fascinating sugya, as you could see, like a lot of other sugyas that deal with it. So here we're just obviously touching the tip of the iceberg. Tosus is the iceberg, Argamar is the tip. Okay, so now, so now let's continue. But now we get to the animal slipping and uh, causing damage. Um, so let's get back to the Gemara. Hechi um, nafo. How if it fell on us, and that's why your putter, when it, you know, you know, at most you pay machinanis, but your putter for Nezik because it fell on us, how did it fall? Which is like a funny question. Like, why do we care? Because we only care because we might discuss certain scenarios that are debated, whether they constitute onus or not. Right? Like, for example, the Gemara said, right, remember the Gemara's discussion whether nitkal is poshea or not? What about nitkal of an animal? Let's say the animal just tri- it was a, it was a klutzy animal and tripped over its own two legs. Like, what constitutes an onus? So we're raising it because we know there's going to be a debate. Okay? It slipped in its own urine. That's clearly an honest. <laughs> I don't know what to say. That its fellow animal pushed it down. That that constitutes onus. Certainly if it slipped into the urine. But if you only think that it slipped in its urine, if it's sent push it down, then, um, then the owner, like, because uh, they're the animal or whatever, but the owner is negligent. And Mishalemus Masha Yizika, you have to pay. Why? To Amarlay, I'll tell you why. You got animals from the same herd? Yes, owns? from the same uh, herd. Someone else's? Yeah, not as somebody else's. Okay. From the same herd. Right, if it's somebody else's, then we can get into interesting cases of like Tsuroros, you know, one animal using the other like a Tsuroros to damage or whatever. Anyway, no, but to Amarlay, yes, but from the same herd. That the owner of the field says to the owner of the, of the, of the sheep, you should make them go single file. You know, didn't you ever win the Right. right? So anyway, you should make them all be going single file. Okay. Now that becomes an interesting question, right? About when I am taking my sheep out to graze, so they're not, you know, we normally talk about shmira, that they're locked up in the pen. What is to constitute sufficient shmira when I'm taking them out to graze, right? So here it's saying, well, if you're passing on something that's got, certainly there's a, an ability to fall down, right? It's not 
level ground, part of being responsible is that you're going single file. Like, what else would be? So I want to stop for a minute and look at this short tosis at the bottom of Nunzayin Amazbeth. Nuflulagina, right, fell into the garden. This is our case. These, um, so, um, so, everybody see that little tosos? Yes, the tosos says, yeah, Nunzayin Amazbeth. So tosos says, that would be only be a case where you had to go by like a, a cliff and it fell down the cliff or whatever into the guy's field if it could not have climbed down the cliff by itself. Because if it were a place where it could have walked down by itself into the other guy's field, you would pay even if it fell bonus. Why? Because it started by Pia. What are you doing walking your sheep? Uh, yeah, but assuming we have to be possible. What are you doing walking your sheep by where it can go down, a, walk down a cliff and get into some other guy's field? So then, is that Pia? I can't walk my sheep near other people's fields that it could walk into? Like, where the heck am I supposed to? I mean, I can only walk them out in the wilderness? So if you take a look at this little grow with this little olive, everybody see this little olive in the square brackets, the ground, the right-hand margin? He says, Nudmet, which doesn't mean nota bene, it means nichtav betido, okay, which is a marginal note. It's like on the right-hand margin here, middle of the page. He says, What? You see it? Hanan, you see it? Nunzayin amudbet, the farthest right-hand margin, this little section says, Hagos Hagra. What are you saying in English means? Nichtav Yeah, okay. okay. As opposed to in English, where NB means no to Bene. Uh, okay. It is interesting. The cost of the Einzep Shia, walking your sheep by somebody else's yard, where the sheep could walk into the yard, is not negligence. The Kiyoch Zenib is not of Yela? What, are you supposed to hold the sheep by the tail wherever you go? Like, well, you know, what do you have to do? You have to walk around with a, with, with a walking pen? You have to have all your sheep on a leash? You know, so it's an interesting question, right? I mean, I'm sure it's a question that dog owners deal. I'm walking my dog, right? I mean, that's why dog owners have to have them on a leash. Yeah. You, but if you're walking your sheep, you have to have them on a leash. So what's considered negligence? So the Gemara says negligence is having them go by a cliff or, you know, and not go single file. That's negligence. Okay? Yeah. But walking by somebody's field where if the sheep goes off, breaks off from the herd, it could in theory go into that field and that, that, is that negligence? Like, it's an interesting question. How do we balance your responsibility to others with allowing you to have a reason you know, way of living your life and of handling your sheep and of, and of you know, and of bringing your sheep out into the fields. So I thought that was a very interesting debate. Yes, right. Didn't the rabbi put in a rabbinic uh, provision at some point to raise sheep in the land of Israel because they were always transgressing and crossing? Yeah, that's a good question. You are absolutely correct. Uh, I don't want to go there, but the whole question about right, why we how we talking about raising sheep all all together is a good question. All right, let's go back to the Gemara. Amar of Kahana, back to Nun Chadamalos. The sheep anyway. This could be something else. Uh, so what else is son? Hakoni son ladia. The Gemara says we're not dealing with the bakar. What goats? Okay. Anyway, goats are worse worse for the land than sheep. Um, okay. Amarav kahana lo shanuola ba'osa aruga. Now, at what degree, back to the question of Pia, so the sheep fell into the yard, and it's starting to eat, and I say, oh, the eating, I'm, I'm still an onus, right? It fell in by onus. I'm still an onus, okay? I only pay mashananis. When do I start to become a negligent? Like, it fell into your yard, there. Can I go home and watch TV and say, yeah, that was all by onus. I hope it has a nice meal. I'll come back in an hour. Okay, at what point do I become negligent and I have to run and take it out of your yard, okay? And stop it from eating. So let's take a look. So... 
So, the onus is only limited to eating from that, like, uh, what, what do you call an aruga? Patch, or, you know, or a row, actually, well, right? It's not like the longest row that goes on. <laughs> right, or, right. How big is the aruga? Right, but here we're trying, because look, look, you know, here, part of the challenge here is that on the one hand, you should say, just assess every case on its own terms. Did the owner have a chance to intervene? Was he walk, working as quickly as possible to get there? But, you know, that becomes really hard in a legal system to try to assess every single case. So to try to come up with some, like, basic, you know, standard parameters, which are not precise in every case, but they're good, like, rules of thumb and basic parameters of defining where, at what point should he have intervened. So this case is his. If he's eating from the same row, from the same pack, fine, you're still an onus. From going from moving to one to the other, at that stage, we're going to, call, we're going to define you as a poshea. Okay, you should have intervened by that. Reb Yochanan says, a few no, even if it moved on from one patch to the next, even if it was eating there the whole day, until it leaves and it returns with knowledge. Now, what Rashi means is that you know the owners are aware, you know, that it that it, that it left. Uh, let me just uh, no, there's no Rashi that. Anyway, the owners are aware that it left and aware that it went back, which presumably means I assume he doesn't literally, although maybe I'm like just because I'm bothered with it, I'm reinterpreting it. But I assume he doesn't literally mean that you have like you know you can be aware that it's eating and continue to be putter and not do anything about it. I assume he means like when not going to give any limit of time. You're not going to be hired until you know that it's eating and that you have an opportunity to intervene. And we're just going to have to assess every case by itself. But there's no objective, you know, or, con- or you know, uh, formalized uh, amount of time. It could be the whole day. If you were ignorant, if you were taking your sheep and, you know, and going off and six hours later you found out what had happened and then been eating for six hours, you're also potter. Until you know what's going on and you are able to prevent it. That's the way I read it. Not literally that's to leave the field. But until you're aware and are able to prevent it. One minute. Don't say that it has to... Now, he's going to also, also limit in the following way. Don't say that it has to leave the field and then you have to be negligent with it going back into the field. Once you knew that it left the field, then you're liable even if it went in without you knowing. And Rashi says, even if like you were shomerit and uh, you did a good shmira on it, you're going to be liable once you knew that it left that it was in the field and it left why my taima the owner of the field could say to you even the alpha since it was uh, known to alert habituated to go and to eat in this field you know and it liked my uh, you know it liked my carrots every time it's going to break away it's going to run to my field it loves eating in my field so uh, now you have a heightened responsibility once you're aware right we saw that before about the Gemara about an Aveda an animal that travels like what heightened responsibility you have once you know that the animal has a habit and is likely to break away okay so it's an interesting debate about how much we try to formalize an amount of time and make it objective which is not going to be precise and fair in every case but it's going to make it a lot easier as a rule of thumb or how much we assess every case on its own terms and the second person says we assess it on its own terms it could be six hours and you could still be putter until the point when you know that it's doing it and you're able to intervene and then on that is added and the next time around you're going to be high of even if you 
did a good shmira because this animal requires a special level well, of shmira. Like really high level shmira. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously there'd be a certain point where you'd be an honest, but obviously yeah. you need a higher level here. What you need to have it on a leash from the, this time forward. Yeah. Question: Let's say another animal, somebody else, went and pushed this animal. Yeah, as I said, who knows? That might be a taste of like throwers of Karen or something. Like we'd have to figure that out. You know, one it's using the other animal as a type of a coke or whatever. Yeah. But why is Rashi say Tachso the Dad Shalom Shalom Nava Panekaraui? In other words, that's then it was like a pshia from the right. Rashi saying Ladad is not really a question about do you know about it? You could know about it and be an honest. You could not know about it and be a pshia. So Rashi is reinterpreting the words Ladas here means negligence or not negligence. That's Amish negligence. Yeah. Why should it be a question? Of course, you'd have to pay. It's not an issue of Hanas. An issue of right. That's what I'm saying. You're not chayiv until you're negligent. You need Achetetei Ladas for Tachso Ladas. Rashi says I can know about it and still be an honest. I could have heard about it six miles away and it's going to take me uh, two hours to get there. So Rashi is just reinterpreting Ladas here in this context means you're negligent. Mm-hmm. So the Lord saying you're not going to be chayev until you know about it and are able to do something about it and are being negligent about it. Okay, so now the Lord says like this. If it goes down normally without an anus, you know, and it does damage, then that's a classic shame b'shud anizak and you pay. Okay. So by Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya, yes. Mahu. Let's say it goes down and into somebody else's field, and rather than eating the fruit, it uh, gives a, it, it, it bursts a young in somebody else's field, okay, and comes out all of the uh, you know st- uh, whatever the liquid from the uterus there, in the, and so on, and that all ruins this guy's fruit. I guess that would be a regal, okay. So do you have to pay? So aliba deman according to him, aliba deman the amar according to the one that says chilasim b'shiv stuff for bonus chayev. That's something that starts with negligence because you were negligent because you let it go into this guy's field and it ended off with onus because of the uh, uh, it, it, the way it damaged was a bizarre way. So it's the one that says you're chayev. Loki bailuch. I don't have a question. That clearly you're chayev here. Who cares that it was an onus? It started with a pshia. Kizi bailuch. What's my question? If you say that you're normally exempt, my what do we say? Do we say that since it started with negligence, even though it ended with onus, you're going to be exempt? Which is what we would normally say. Oh, Diyama, what do we say? This is all one Pia, meaning the onus. It, it, it's not like it's not like an unexp- it's not like there's a Pia here and then something completely unrelated to the Pia occurred over there. No. It's all part of the negligence of letting it go into the guy's field. Why is this included in that negligence? To keep in the Kachazi to crave a because you know that it's about to give birth. So in that case, you buy Lachlinture. So you're negligent also about giving birth in somebody's field. The negligence of letting go in the field is of all the things that are likely to happen in that field. And with this animal included in likely to happen is, is eating and giving birth. So that's part of the same negligence, which makes a lot of sense to me. Anyway, I'm not sure exactly what, what the suffix is or how you would assess that. Okay, anyway, so you should have known it would do that. At least Tamuri the Gava, and you should have watched it against and protected it, you know, from going into the field for this issue as well. So much as take, we don't know. Okay, now, Kate Michelle now we move on from Mashananis and this Onus and Pshia to this other thing that we've seen way back in the beginning of the Masechet, which is that you don't pay just for the damaged fruit. You don't say it ate a bushel of, of wheat. How much is a bushel of wheat? You say 
how much if, if the wheat was growing not just sitting in the field you say how much was the field worth beforehand and how much is it worth now and then the owner of the field gets a lot less than the cost of a bushel of wheat right because you know it's, uh, you don't give it as much weight when it's in the picture of something that's a lot larger okay so that's what the Gemara says so where do you get this idea that you don't pay directly for the value of the eaten fruit but you pay for the depreciation of the field okay um, if it's growing in the field um of Masa the Puzzle says, Ubier bisteachir, and it consumes in another field. You look at it in the context of a of another field. I don't know why another, but we're maybe because we're going to standardize it. And we're going to see in a minute we're going to standardize it. So there's like two chidushim. One chidushim is is that you look at it in the context of the depreciation of the field and of some type of a standardized model of a field. Okay? So Tumar says, one minute. When it says it consumed in another field, we need it for the must more basic halacha that it's exempt when it consumes in Rishos Rabin it's only when it's in Rishos Hanizach says no if that's true let the Torah say it eats in its friend's field it's, it's in a field um Oh, no, I read that wrong. Inami sedeacher, a different field. My bisteacher, what's in a different field? Shishamin agav seacher, that you assess it on the basis of another field. Now, it's a little funny. It's like one of those classic commands which is like, okay, it could have said this, it says this, we're going to say that that's extra and there when we're going to Russia. Um, but it is possible <laughs> that, um, that what the Gemara is actually saying here is a way of, t- of, of actually a question about how to read, um, how to, how, how to read the Pasuk. I remember many decades Decades now, it used to be many years now. It's many decades ago when I was <laughs> when I was in uh, in uh, in Gush. You know, we were learning Baba Kama, and Rav Lichtenstein gave a shear on this, and he said he wants to talk about one letter, and the letter is the letter Bet, and he said, and he actually tied it in because I think it was the uh, it was right then it was like Parshat Shemot, so he tied so he said like he, he tied into the pasuk where it says by um, oh no it was not by Shemot it was Mikate it says Fatirena Baachu right the cows grazed in the swamp right so he said there was whether the word in the swamp meant they, where they were grazing they were in the swamp when they were eating or whether it was what they were eating they were eating the ahu refers to like you know they were they were, consu- they were you know consuming the, you know, the, uh, the field so he wanted to say the question of is that where it's taking place it's consuming in somebody else's field or is it I say no it is destroying another person's field it's like it, you know it's, like, it's, it's sort of like saying Ubir etz de acher. Right. You have to argue that the vet is like certain verbs are always followed by a certain preposition mm-hmm. that gives it its meaning. Right. Right. That's the argument. So it's actually, of course, the funny thing is that the Gemara says it could have said without the bet. Actually, without the bet, it would have been clear it meant that. If it would have said ubir sede acher, it would have been clear that sede acher is the object of the consumption. But if we read the pasuk to mean that it's saying that the thing that it destroyed was the field, it damaged the field, so then you want to assess the value based on the damage to the field, not to the damage to the fruit, right? If you see it like it, it, destroy, it damaged the house, it damaged the field, so how much did the house or the field now become worth less, right? So that's the question. Okay, so the message is like this. 
the Ema Kula Lahach Yudasa. Maybe it's all coming to tell you that halacha, not to tell you the halacha of Sadei of Rishus Harabim. Okay, Lafuka Rishus Harabim Minala. And how do you know to exclude Rishus Harabim? Now, Imkain Lichtavei Rachmana Gabi Tashlumim. But then, if then if it was only about not about whether you're Chayev or not, right? But Biyerbisecher is the pasuk about whether you're Chayev. What act is Machayev you? If all it was coming to tell you was how do you pay, then this would have been written in the pasuk about paying. Since it's written Biyerbisecher in the pasuk about the act of damage, it's also telling you the scope of when you're high for damage. That you're not high of in a Rosh Hashanah. Okay? Meit of Sadeo, Meit of Kamal Yishalim, Bisteacher. Okay? It could have just said, pay a field, um, you know, um, assessed based on another field. Lamali de Kasei Rechman Agabi Ubiyer. Why did it use the word Steacher in the context of causing the damage? Shmami Natarti. You hear two things. Number one, only if it does the damage in the friend's field. And number two, you pay on the assessment of another field. And now we're going to try to exactly put a number to that. By the way, I should say, this idea that you do not just say how much was the fruit worth is also implied even more explicitly in the Pasuk where it says metav sadeu metav kara yishalem it doesn't say metav perosav yishalem right the Pasuk clearly sees it as you pay a field what is damaged is a field so that really does seem very clear from the Pasuk and which is why it's interesting that the Gemara's emphasis here seems to be not so much that you assess it how much is the field worth less like you assess it as a field was damaged rather than fruit was damaged that it almost seems to take for granted the Chiddush here more is that you look at it in a standardized context of a field which is what we're about to get to meaning if I have my field as we'll see my field is like 10,000 acres okay and it ate some fruit how much did that depreciate the value of 10,000 acres zero my field is one acre and it ate the fruit how much did it depreciate a lot so is that what you say do you look at the particular person's field how much it was depreciated so the Chiddush here is I don't look at your field how much it was depreciated number one I look at it the damage to a field not to the fruit but number two is I look at a standardized model of how am I going to assess what, what size field was damaged and that's the Chiddush of Sedei Acher right, is that clear there's two points here number one which is pretty clear in the Pasuk you look at it not that the fruit was damaged but the field was damaged right Metav Sedei Umetav Karma Yishalem but number two Sedei Acher says I don't look at every, every, every case every subjective case I assess the size of the field based on some standardized model. Exactly. And we're going to look at that standardized model right now. Yeah. Yes. If you're assessing the field, what about the effort and the work that the farmer puts into the producing that. Yeah, but presumably that goes to the cost, right? How much was the field worth before? How much is it worth after? So presumably the proportional effort that came into plowing whatever, all that becomes translated into the ultimate like cost of the thing. If I went there and I painted my house and I put up shingles or whatever I did and somebody came and ripped them off, right? you don't say, wait, wait, how much did it cost though, to paint and put up the shingles? Say, how much was the house worth more because of those shingles? And how much was it worth less now that those shingles have been ripped off? And that's how you assess the damage, right? So that's the thing. How much was the field worth more because of the extra fruit in it? And how much has it now been depreciated because the fruit has been destroyed? Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, Hechi Shaminan. So how do we assess it? Amar Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina Sa'a B'Shishim Sa'in 
you look at for, every, for a sa'ah that was consumed you look at a field of 60 sa'ah okay so it's sort of like ditto you go by 60 okay so um, and that's how you look at it so now so and you know how much would a field of the size of 60 sa'ah be depreciated if one sa'ah of it had the fruit in it consumed right so you imagine 60 sa'ah of wheat and one sa'ah has been met, mowed down how much does that affect the value of the field so even if my field was only two sa'ah. So if I have a two sa'ah field and one sa'ah was mowed down, that's like huge impact, okay, and your field was a thousand sa'ah and it's a trivial impact. For both of us, we say, how much would a 60 sa'ah field be worth less with that one sa'ah mowed down? And that's the whole idea of looking at some standardized model, okay? I don't see the difference between asking it that way and saying, how much is that sa'ah of wheat Really? You don't see it. You have a thousand saw field, which is worth a million dollars, and it's filled with grain. Before it was filled with grain, it was worth 900,000. Now it's filled with grain, it's worth a million dollars. And okay. thousand saw. And somebody says, oh, you know, actually, I got to tell you, like, we had a little damage over there, and one saw was damaged. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now it's only worth 999,000, whatever. No. Fine, whatever. It doesn't affect the actual value of it, right? Mm-hmm. But, if you, but if you say, how much is a saw worth of grain? That's actually a, a high number. Okay, whatever. It's a number. Mm-hmm. All right, and if I have a two and even if I have a two field, how much is a saw of grain straight? If I ask that question, I say twenty dollars. How much is a two saw field with a with worth a thousand dollars worth less because half of it has been mowed down? Maybe only ten dollars less. I mean, that's the way people, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, you, you solved it with those words. <laughs> Right. Okay. That's why it's No, it's not replacement value. It's not like it's not like that. That's this amount of money can make me replace the loss. It's not. It's it's what is the depreciation? Right. And the depreciation looked in terms of a whole thing is going to be less than the actual cost of just assessing the item itself. Exactly. All right. Yes. All right. So the is like this. Um, so, uh, so now a tirkov is half a se'ah so it sounds like he's saying the same thing every tirkov you assess it in 60 tirkovim right which is a 30 se'ah field but it's not the same because Rashi says the um the way Rashi explains it is like there's a different market like most people want a certain standard size field let's say a 60 saw field is a standard size field so that value which is the most highest sort of normal demand of the size the per acre cost is the highest okay I'm not the highest that's wrong excuse me that's, that's the actually maybe like the whatever I don't know the, the average per acre cost if somebody wants to buy a specialized small field the per acre cost is going to go up does that make sense? Right? So if you want to buy a smaller field that most people don't have, most people don't want to sell small little fields, right? So that's going to be a higher per acre cost. So if we assess it based on a smaller size field, so if you had a saw of damage, do we say, how much would that have impacted a 60 saw field? It would have been one number. How much would half a saw on a 30 saw field and another half a saw on another 30 field be? That would be a higher number. Okay? Because the high, there would be a higher per acre cost. Okay? So that's his position. Okay? And we're going to have similar variations of this. I'm not going to sort of spell out all the things, but you get the idea. Now, this is the one that seems to push back against the idea of looking 
looking at it in terms of damage of the property. He says, no, you look at one, uh, like a clock, which is a, what do you call it? It's like a bundle of, not bundle, a, uh, 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 like a bunch of, uh, of, of, of vegetables, and you assess it among 60 other vegetables. You basically ask, right, how much worth, so you, so you don't say, like, how much does one bunch of carrots worth, but how much would 50, 60 bunches of carrots be worth as opposed to 59 bunches of carrots? But he is really a radical departure because he's not looking at it in terms of the field. He's looking at it in terms of the actual fruit itself. Okay, klach b'shishim klachim. If I'm if I'm explaining klach correctly, um, I don't know. How does your English translate klach? Klach is a stalk. That's what I thought. So he's really assessing it not based on the field. He's assessing it based on he goes straight to the value of the fruit. But he says you don't pay for one stalk. You pay for the difference between sixty stalks and fifty nine stalks. But he's still not assessing it based on the field, which is the bigger, which is the more dominant position here. Meisri says, "Go, I'll ask you on this." You don't just say pay the value of that and you assess it just on the fruit itself. Um, you look at it as though it was part of a small little uh, garden and how much would this have, you know, you know, would this loss be? So it doesn't sound like it's 60 times. It sounds like it's an arugak tana. So the Gemara says, so my atma, doesn't it mean you assess that on its own terms? Well, Bashishim, no, it means you look at it as it was an aruga amongst 60 arugot, which is not at all shot of that right now. Okay. Tana Rabbanan. You don't assess in terms of a kav because that too much increases the value. For real bait core, you don't assess based on bait core, because that's too injurious. My, so the Gemara says, my comer. What does that mean? What's, <laughs> what's it saying? So the Gemara says, here's what it means. If it damages a kav worth, you don't assess it among a uh, field of 60 kav, okay? Because that's too beneficial to the mazik because the field of 60 kav Rashi says is a I think he says it's a very large field and therefore the per acre value is very low in, that, in a field of that size so therefore the mazik gets off too easy if you have to assess it in a field that large Below core Bashishim Korean, and you don't assess a corn sixty core, but Neshapogi Mazi. That's a small size field where the per where the per acre value is very high, and that's too uh, unfair to the Mazik. Okay? And so you go back to this like we said before, the Sa'ah with sixty sa'im. You look at a sixty sa'a field, that's a nice average amount. Okay. Maski for Ravuna, Rav Barmanoa, Ravuna challenged it, high below bait core, when it says you don't shum in kav, it should have said ain't below why did it say below bait core? It should have said below kormi bayalei. If aim shamin kav means you don't assess the damage of a kav with sixty kav, and he, then it should have said you don't assess the damage of a core with sixty core. Why does it say bait core? Bait core refers to like the the, the field. Okay, so the Gemara says. Um, here's what it reads. Okay. You don't assess the kav itself. If a kav was dangered, damaged, you don't just say, okay, a kav of grain, how much is that worth? That's what we've sort of been talking about all along. You don't just say that because that's going to become a very high price and the nizak will be, get too much benefit out of that, right? Will get reimbursed more than he deserves. So, real kav 
Beit Kor, but you don't say, let's assess how much if a cob was damaged in a Beit Kor, how much would that depreciate the value? They should in these are, because the Nizak loses out too much, because that is a very trivial amount when you assess it in such a large field. El Abashishim, so rather, so there's a way of parsing that whole Brita to say, you don't assess the value of the fruit by itself, you don't assess it in too large of a field, that'll be too trivial. The way you do it is in a field 60, 60 times the size. Okay? And so that's how you assess the value. How much would this injury have come to depreciated the value of a field, which would have been 60 times the size of the amount, of the size, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the area that was, that was, uh, that was consumed. Again, though, the Gemara says you might have to figure out the right per acre cost, because a 60 saw field has a different per acre cost than a 60, than a 30 saw field. Yes? Why is the person who was damaged receiving too much if you would base it on the value of the fruit that was damaged? It wouldn't, but the question is, is that a right? Here I am, I'm a farmer, right? I've got this, you know, field of all this grain or whatever, right? Like, is it, when, when, when some animal comes and consumes my grain, right? I mean, is it obvious that you say the damage done was the damage to the value of the grain as opposed to, say, the damage to the field? I don't know if to me that's obvious. How do you determine which, you know, which way to, to, to define it? How, how can't you say this is how much I would have gotten if I took it to market today? You, but you weren't, you mean if you were to have harvested, but you weren't harvesting it today and you weren't taking it to market and you weren't winnowing it or all those types of stuff. But where it was right now was it was part of a field and the field was the thing that was damaged. When, I, when we use the word fruit, I've conceptualized it. Yeah, like fruit to be pot, picked, picked. Right, it's all right. More often we're talking about grain. But even there, it would have to have been picked, it would have to have been transported to market. Right? It's not like, you know, um, uh, you know, so, I mean, I guess the question could be, how much would somebody have paid me today to have a right to go into my field and take this acre of stuff? Maybe. I wonder if that's really so different than this amount. But, but that's not a normal market price. People don't pay you to go into their field. I mean, unless you have an apple picking worker. People don't pay you to go into their field. If you want to translate this into money, right now, maybe this is a better way of thinking about it. How would I translate what I have into money? I could sell the whole field. That's how you get money out of this. You don't just sell the standing grain in this form, right? So that's, uh, I think that's like part of the argument, right? That people maybe normally would give, sell the right to go and collect the grain at this stage, like maybe we would think about it differently. Yeah, words, it's really, push. I never thought about this. In other words, anything can happen between now and a month from now market day. Right. It could be a blight. It could right. be, anything could happen. Right now at this minute, right. it's mechubar to the field. Right. It's, what is it? It's right. Far, right. 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 is forcing me to ask that question. Right. What right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and if there really were a market for, frame that, for grain at this stage of development that was mechubar to the field and it was a clear per acre market of that, maybe we would think about it differently. Right. We have one now, the futures market. Yeah, I know. Okay, so now the question says like this. Let's, let's try to get to the end of the of the daf. Okay? I mean, I'm, uh, so, okay. So a certain person ch- cut down a, uh, a palm tree for, of his friend. Also coming to Reish Kalusa. He came to the Reish Kalusa. I'm away, so, um, so the Reish Kalusa said to these people who came in front of him for judgment, I actually saw that, uh, that pack there with that palm tree. When there were three palm trees growing out of the same sort of like, you know, patch um, or literally from the same stalk. Um, and that whole section, that, that whole collection of the three palm trees was worth a hundred zuz. Zil halfway classing with class of a deal. So go pay him thirty three and a third zuz. Okay, because I know that patch of palm trees was worth a hundred. You cut down one third, so pay him thirty three and a third. That seems pretty fair. Amar. So the guy said, Gabi Rage Galusa, the Don Dina de Par 
Lamali. From the Reish Galusa, who just applies the Persian law. Why do you Because the Reish Galusa wasn't a Talmud Chacham. He was the, like, like the sort of secular head of the Jewish community. Okay, and obviously with close ties to the Persian government. So he said, like, this isn't Jewish halacha. He's just applying Persian law. Now, why would halacha be different? Also, the coming to Rav Nachman. He came to Rav Nachman. Amalei Bashishim. Rav Nachman said, yeah, don't pay for the damage. Just look at the value of those palm trees. And then it was a hundred, and now it's, now it's a, a third of that. Look at a large field of palm trees, and what would the loss of one palm tree mean? So, so Amalei Rava, so Rava said, Im Amalei Beniske Mamono, Yomu Beniske Gufo. Rava said, what are you talking about? That was a halacha about shame. That was a special halacha about when an animal damaged. If somebody goes ahead and damages personally, does an act of mazik, so it's not like that this raises a good question, what we were discussing before. Is it objectively? There's no way to define the object that was damaged here other than, a, other than as a field. Or do we say, no, that's a special halacha by shame to look at it through that lens. By other things, we look at it differently. Okay? And we look at it as like as much as we can concretize on the one object that was damaged. And not in the bigger context. Um, so, what do you think you would do when a person personally damaged? Titania, why do you think that would be different? Because we taught, if you basically like, it's a funny word, like, but it basically means you destroy, you consume, like, the, 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 uh, the vineyard of your friend, smadar, and the, and the, the, the grapes were like, uh, unripe. Um, so, because it says, you assess how much was the vineyard worth before, and how much was it worth after. What's the damage to the vineyard? Fine. And it doesn't say you assess the so here's a great question you as a person not your animal damages your friends you know vineyard fruit etc that's growing in the field do you apply this rule of Bishishim or do you look at it specifically that field what was the market value change that makes the most sense right let's look at the specific market value for each case separately and not this standard Shishim model so he says that's what you think it seems like you think that, he, that the Reish Kalusa did the right thing that when it comes to a person who's mazik you look at the damage to the field, but you don't look at it as a shishim standardized model. You look at that specific field. Okay, and that's Uriah. So, Atu, Gabi Behema, We have a bright by Behema that doesn't explicitly say shishim, and nevertheless we interpret it to mean shishim. So, here too it should be shishim. Where do we say it by Behema? Titani, we turn to Braisa. Kitmanitia. Let's say it basically cut down a, you know, a, uh, a planting. Uh, Rabbi Yossi Omer, this is a uh, case of an animal, goes exeris to Yerushalayim Omer, those that make the edicts in Yerushalayim, whatever that basin was, say, if it was a young sapling tree of a year old, it's worth two kesef. in two years old, arba kesef. Fine. Now let's say it ate a chaziz, uh, which is also, which is actually says like fad or whatever, some like, uh, you know, uh, un, um, un, I don't know exactly what it is. What is it? Unripe stalks of grain or something? Yes, yes. Okay. Here you go. This seems to be more what people would have naturally said. If you look, what does Rashi say? Meshuyer Shaba means. Rashi says, Rowin esa notar aruga varuga So you look at how much would this all have been worth when I would have brought it to market and how much am I going to get less? So you actually, which does seem unfair. Why should I pay for the future value which is not yet 
get realized. But that's the but that's how you assess it. Yes, you look at it as the future fruit and how much would I have lost? But the Chachamim say no. You look at the field. How much was the field worth? How much is it worth now? And that's how much you play. Pay. Now let's say it was unripe. Again, a similar idea. You look at it as if they're ripe. And how much would grapes ready for market be worth? Which seems very unfair. No, you look. How much was the vineyard worth beforehand? How much is it worth now? When is that true? When it ate just like the uh, the very like you know the stuff had not even begun to blossom. But if the stuff had already begun to blossom, but it was unripe, then then he agrees with the previous opinion. No, once they're starting to ripen, even if they haven't fully ripened, you look at them as complete grain. It has complete grapes. So we have introduced here some new ideas which are not only do you assess the fruit by itself it's even more strict you assess it as if it were fully ripe fruit so there's so, on the, so a pushback to the idea of al gabi steacher is you assess the value of the fruit and even if it's unripe you look at it as if it's ready for market let's bracket that for a moment the chacharim say you assess the damage to the field well, how do they say you assess it how much was it worth before how much was it worth after what's missing from that Shishim. Where's this idea of looking at it in terms of a larger field? Okay, so let's just finish this thought. He says, the low tiny Bashishim. So it doesn't say there by the animal. That's the case of an animal. It doesn't say shishim. Or what do you have to say? Bashishim. When it says the damage to the field, it doesn't say shishim, but that's implied. We always standardize it. So hachanami bashishim here to buy an automatic bashishim. So this is a really fascinating idea. Do we assess when the field fruit in the field is damaged? We have three possibilities, right? You look at the damage to the fruit, actually four. The damage to the fruit as it is, the damage to the fruit as it would be worth when it would go to market, those two variations of the fruit, and or you look at it in terms of the field. The damage to the field as it is, or the damage to the field based on a standardized model of Shishim. Okay, and what the Gemara is saying is, and the other question is, do you take what we're saying by a shame and applying it to Adam Hamazik? What's the basis to say that by Adam Hamazik? Maybe Adam Hamazik, we should just say, look straight at the fruit. Don't do this whole weird Shishim model. Okay, so that's a debate of Rav Nachman and Ravan. We will continue with this tomorrow. Question? Yeah. Rabbi Yosef